Brandon, you're an executive pastor at Compass? I am. I'm one of our executive pastors. I'm not your typical executive pastor in the sense that I do more strategy, campus, stuff like that. I don't I do not do HR and finance and all that. Sure, yeah. Thank so, God. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no kidding. We'd all be in jail. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Preaching Lab, where we talk with some of the world's best communicators about the art and science of preaching. Um, we are today joined by a, uh, a former co-worker of mine, a former boss of mine. You were, you told me what to do quite frequently. Um, his name is Brandon You never Beard. listened. You I never listened. listened. That's not a bad setup for what this episode is going to be about. <laughs> no, it's good. That's good coaching. Thank you. I will. Re- I take that and receive it. Um, Brandon is an executive pastor at Compass Christian Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, Brandon has close to 30 years of ministry experience. He also does some coaching and consulting as as well, working with church leaders all over the country. Brandon, we are so glad to have you today. Man, I'm excited to be with you guys. Really excited. Yeah, it's going to be great. Brandon, uh, besides all of the, like, who Brandon is as a worker in ministry and church, what else What else is true about Brandon Beard? Who's Brandon Beard? Man, what else is true about me? I am, I kind of have like a, I kind of have a theme about myself. Like, I'm a huge <laughs> Star Wars fan. Uh, I was adopted. If you know me, everyone knows my adoption story and rolls their eyes if they hear that multiple times. And I have a huge passion for kids in Uganda. I do some work in northern Uganda. So you'll, like, you'll always hear me talk about those things. And I love I love football, man. I'm a football junkie. I'm a sports guy. Uh, but I'm a small town guy. I grew up in a small town in the Pacific Northwest. Lived in L.A. for 20 years and uh, have lived in Texas for 12 and uh, I can't like the heat in Texas is unbearable, but there's some good people. So that's me. There you go. Yeah, that's, it's, that's my this bio. Is, this is the hottest stretch of time in Texas. But I have to ask Pacific Northwest and then California and Texas. So who is your football team? Uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, yeah. And I am okay. I am a rabid fan. I have a record at one point six years in a row. Every game I went to, I got on TV. I mean, that that's. And I wow. just want you to know that I was dressed in such a way that I would be seen on TV, if that makes any <laughs> sense to you. <laughs> we'll fill in all the details. We'll let our imagination <laughs> yes. carry us. Yes. Exactly. It's, uh, yes. Some might say it's a it's an idolatry problem with Seattle sports. Oh, it's 100% idolatry. The Mariners, yeah. Seattle Mariners lost last night, and I'm... I, if I look unhappy today, it's just that's that's why. So there Jesus, you go. Jesus can save you from all of that, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll leave that. We'll leave that for another really another great. podcast. Another that, maybe podcast. I will, I'm a lifelong yeah, Packers fan, so I I do regard that Seattle Seahawks team as the evil empire over there on the other. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, yeah. We scored 17 blood. points in two minutes and something seconds Whew, on you guys. It's, to, listen, anyways, listen, it's, 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 it's too soon. It's really too soon. That's an open. Really too soon. I understand. Well, Brandon, we're glad to have you. Um, one of the things that we do with people that we bring on, uh, the, we run through what's called the first five. So it's the first five okay. questions just to sort of get us out of the gate. Um, Love it. They can go as quick or as slow and methodical as you would like them to. But first question for you, do you remember your first time preaching? And if so, what happened? <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. I was teaching a high school Bible study. I went to a Christian high school and I was the spiritual life coordinator, mainly because I put a beer and a cigarette on stage and told everyone, the party ends over. I'm going to change the whole school for Jesus. You know, kind of one of these crusade kids, which was just insane. But my first time I taught, I remember just yelling at everybody for like 30 minutes. I just screamed at everybody. And I was like, there'll be no more parties in this school. And no one's going to have sex with anybody. And, it, you know, I'm going to I'm going to straighten this all of you guys out. And if anyone does anything wrong, I'll personally beat you up. You know, that was my thing. 
And I mean, it's a great hermeneutical sermon. Really, really, really. I, I haven't heard anything about it. God yet. It's, it's like, yeah. like Brandon it's just, is the morality man, police. Yeah. It's just like angry Tony Robbins. That's, you know, that's what it was. You being the morality police in high school is just funny for me to try to imagine. But uh, yeah. And if you only knew how ironic that was. Anyways, well, it's just so good. Okay, so Brandon, uh, you don't preach every weekend, but you preach on occasion. What is Brandon Beard's sure. favorite part of preaching? Is it the like prep work? Is it I'm up there on the platform doing the thing? Is it everything that happens yeah. after? What's the thing that like resonates with you the most? Uh, I mean, I think this will sound cliche, but it's really true. For me, it's the response, like seeing people come to Christ, seeing people respond, seeing people make a decision, because mm-hmm. there is that moment where you're just like, man, who am I? Like, I'm up here trying to do my thing, trying to speak. I'm trying to give my best effort to do that. But the Holy Spirit ultimately works through you, and you're like, Mm. I cannot believe Mm. that God used an idiot like me for 30 minutes, and that marriage changed, or that someone Mm. got baptized. That's the best. That's Mm. That's what it's all about. And did that start back in high school with that first sermon that you preached, or everybody just came down (laughs) to the altar? They were like, wow, we're so convicted. Jesus is so good. It was pretty effective for a while. Let me just say that. <laughs> Browbeating people into salvation. Yeah. yeah. Listen, yeah. Sort of I was sin. like the early Mark Driscoll in <laughs> Seattle. You know, <laughs> proto Mark. He learned from you. Yeah. Is that what you're telling us? He did. He yeah, did. Wow. It's rough. So this uh, this next question, I know enough about you that I'm sure there's at least ten stories that could apply to this. What is your okay. most embarrassing preaching moment? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Um, it's got to be, uh, I preached a sermon when I was a student pastor. Uh, it was a, I was making macaroni and cheese on stage, like craft macaroni and cheese. And I went through all the ingredients and I had assigned them to like, they, they were like, um, for, it was the recipe for real friendships. And I went through like the milk was encouragement and the butter was forgiveness. It's already horrible, right? It's already just like, what is happening? What is happening right now? And so... I got to the cheese sauce part, and I said, hey, I want you to say cheese sauce 10 times fast. And I had the whole crowd like, cheese sauce, cheese sauce, cheese sauce. Of course, it's Jesus. And I was like, he's the key ingredient to friendships. <laughs> Jesus is the and cheese then, sauce in our macaroni and cheese. I'm tracking with the he metaphor is, here. He okay. is the cheese sauce. Uh, I'm kind of famous for that sermon because I have been mocked and made fun of. Like, there are, I've met people, I'm not kidding, I've met people at like Bible colleges in other states, 25, 30 years later, they're like, we heard about this guy who preached to macaroni, and I'm like, yeah, that's me. I'm the cheese sauce guy. So really embarrassing, uh, really horrible. That's like the worst thing ever, but people do remember it. I did preach. I'll give you just one more. I did <laughs> preach when when episode one of Star Wars came out. I cannot believe I'm going to say this on uh, just public anywhere. When episode one came out, I did a sermon. They asked me to pre- preach on repentance, and I called it Sin Wars, The Phantom Repentance. <laughs> and I and I put I put like a bunch of our pastors' faces on Star Wars characters, and I distinctly remember the whole crowd looking at the student pastor preaching, and no one laughed as I scrolled through these pictures. They just all sat there like, what is wow. happening? You know, it was just unbelievable. And I literally wanted to just jump off the stage and run off. You were like, you were like not only proto Mark, but also proto like at the movies preacher. I mean, congratulations, dude! You're like early adopter. Like you get those waves started. Early adopter. I'm making mac and cheese. I'm up there talking about 
the phantom repent. Really? That's what, that's what I decided to do. <laughs> okay. That's a perfect brutal. segue into the next question, which I would, I would never ask probably anyone, but you, if you could compare your style of preaching to a star Wars character, which <laughs> character is it? Uh, I mean, my wife would probably say Jar Jar Binks, uh, but, uh, <laughs> No, I would say I would say C3PO. I'm going to go C3PO. Oh. Here's why. Cuz C3PO is a storyteller. Mm. And as goofy as I am and all that stuff, I'm a pretty good storyteller. So C3PO, I feel like he told the Ewoks a good story, mm. you know, in Return of the Jedi. Now mm. your listeners are mm. like, we have no idea what you're talking about, but that's okay. They can watch. That's right. They can go back. They can watch Star Wars. Um, yeah, they yeah. don't watch Star Wars. We'll link yeah. Return of the Jedi in the that's show right. notes. They're yes. like, "Do you mean Dune?" <laughs> Do you mean Dune? <laughs> 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 this generation. Oh, that's so good. Okay, C3PO. Yeah. Uh, thinking less about your preaching, Brandon, and maybe the preaching you've heard yeah. in your life, what's the, yeah. what is the most memorable sermon that you have ever heard? Like, what is the one that you, even to this day, can be like, I remember where I was, what was yeah. going on, what it did to me? Yeah, I was at a, there was an old conference called Youth Specialties. Uh, it was like, it was this old youth pastors conference back mm-hmm. in the day, you know, uh, when we called people youth pastors. And I was sitting at a ballroom in San Francisco at one of those deals, and a guy named Philip Yancey, he's an author, he, he, uh, he preached a sermon. Man, it, was, it changed my whole life. It changed my whole ministry. He basically spent the first 30, 40 minutes talking about all the wrong the church had done historically. Mm. I mean, he just went through all the mm. bad stuff the church had done, from the Crusades to being involved in slavery. I mean, all kinds of just horrible things. And was like, the church is a mess. And then he spent the next 30, 40 minutes talking about all the beautiful things that the church was and, mm. and did. And, it, and I, it was so powerful because the first part, all of us younger people were like, yeah, the church sucks. You know, this is a mess, you know. Mm. And then the last half, you're like, oh, the church has been pretty, I mean, it's been done some really good things. Mm. And at the end of the day, he said to us, he said, you can spend the next 30 to 50 years complaining and ripping down the church or you can get to work. Mm. And he was like, what are you going to do? Mm. And I distinctly remember I was at that time super frustrated with the staff I was working with and the angsty 20 year old that's critical of the executive pastor and the lead pastor. And like, I don't know what that's like I at was all. In, yeah. If I was in charge, if they would just do what I would you know, think, everything would be fine. Yeah. You, know? you don't know how that goes. Rory. I don't. You know, I have no idea you've what never that's been like. there before. I've never yeah. been there. Never been there. I'm sure it's it's rare. Uh, but no, that was really an impactful message for me because I wow. think about it all the time. I can't tell you how many times I just go, mm. uh, it's a beautiful mess. I love the church. It's a yeah. mess. But I'm also not someone that's like rose colored glasses like everything's fine. Jesus is yeah. great. Let's not let's not change anything. But there is an element of like, it's a mess, man. Get to work. Yeah. Get to work. I just the yeah. next person that blogs 80 pages how bad the church is. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. dude, when's the last time you invited your neighbor to church and just did anything remotely spiritual besides post <laughs> totally. your stupid blog? I just want to like stop it. Just get to work. Somebody and asked Carl really Bart one me. time what the church was, and he was like, The church is wherever Jesus is crucified between criminals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we are it's the criminals. So, so just once yeah. you like realize that, then you can be like gracious and accepting, and you can get yeah. to work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you work with criminals. You know what I mean? That's, that's right. The funny thing. You're like, yeah, okay, to keep your illustration we're all a bunch going. of scoundrels, we're all like mess- receiving yeah, grace all- and trying to make something together out of it and offer it to other people. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Love oh, it. That's so good, Philip Yancey. Hanging around, yeah, hanging yeah. around, words yeah. hanging around. So, uh, Brandon, what I what I want to spend most of our time talking about. Um, so, personal testimony. We were joking about this. Um, my experience of working with you for six and a half, seven years is that you 
Um, you would say this about yourself. You would say you are not the greatest preacher in the world. You would say you're not the greatest communicator in the world. But what you do understand is how the room hears preachers. Hmm. You have given me yeah. some of the most helpful, like sermon-changing feedback. And I know you're going to be like, that's not true. You're making that up. No, no, no. But no, that is true. Um, so what I want to do is spend a majority of this conversation mm -hmm. talking about how to both receive and give coaching and how to receive and give feedback that's helpful to the next generation of preachers and whatever. So what I'd love to start with, Brandon, because you do so much consulting and coaching around the country, are there things that you're seeing right now recognizing that preachers are just starting to like fold into how they're communicating, both good and things that you're also maybe going like, man, I don't know if this is good or not, but it, it's a thing that's happening. Yeah, I the, the thing I'm going to share with you that that I see it's not it's not just a trend. It's something I've seen my whole life. It's mm -hmm. something I've seen from day one, like immediately. Um, every church I work with, whether it was you know I was at in my 20s or do it you know whether I do consulting with Gromentum Group I with, and I here's what I try and figure out first: what are they addicted to? And I believe that most, if not all churches in general, this is a big generalization, have some sort of addiction. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but just hang with me because you guys are like, what's going on? Are they all smoking crack? No, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that what, what happens is, um, I'll, I'll, use, I'll use this example. One of the addictions is conviction. Some mm. churches are addicted to conviction. And so I'll walk into a church, I'll listen to a sermon and a preacher, and they're just throwing down conviction, conviction, conviction which by the way, is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But the church is literally like shooting up. I mean, they're just like, oh yeah, he got us, man. He's this is, oh, yell at our us pastor some more. so sure. convicting. He's so convicting. He just gets me every time, you know? But the reality is they walk out of the church and they do nothing. They just come mm -hmm. back next week for more conviction. Oh mm -hmm. man, we love it. And they talk about their That's pastor. Cool. I ask people like, what do you love about your preacher, your pastor, your speaker? And they're like, oh man, I mean, you know, I, a lot of guys are scared to speak the truth, but he, he literally gets us, you know, he really mm -hmm. gets you. And mm -hmm. then you're like, Hey, you know, tell me about the invite culture of this church. Do you guys, you know, or, or whatever they were talking <laughs> sure, about. Yeah. And it's literally like deer in headlights. Like, what do you mean? Like what? They just love the, sure, the drug. Yeah. I came here and for so, my hit. That's what I got. I got my hit. Yeah. Yeah. So Yelled whatever the hit is. And so I try, the first thing I do, if you're trying to figure out how to give evaluation, mm -hmm. you do have to identify what that is for some churches. It's information. People are mm. like, oh man, we get such a great so much teacher. Information, yeah, such a great teacher. Um, other places is inspiration and story, you know, mm. or tears. It's just tears all the time. And there's nothing wrong with a style. That's not what I'm getting after. But it is a it is a deal where you have to go. The congregation typically congregations love hearing something and doing nothing about it. Mm, like right. that's literally what they do. Right. So it's like we have to break that up once in a while. We, it's not about changing your style, but it's just like, hey, recognize that conviction is kind of the addiction of this place, for mm -hmm. example. So you do need to get more practical sometimes. You do you do need to actually walk them through steps and not just blow fire in their face and sure. send them home feeling guilty. Mm -hmm. You've actually got to walk through what some next steps are. Or the information person, you're like, hey, I love Jesus, America, and everything else, and Star Wars. You cannot preach for 60 minutes. Like, you're not that good a preacher, uh -huh. and it's just way too much information. No one's doing anything with that information mm. besides thinking that you're awesome, which is a huge sure. fail uh, as a pastor. Like if people walk away and go, oh, man, he just delivers the content, man. He, he brings yeah. the stuff mm. like, yeah, Jesus is not in heaven going. Congratulations. It you strikes know, me, your, your Brandon, is strong. Brandon, it strikes me what you're saying, that it's not only that people are like getting the hit of whatever it is 
you know, we've created an appetite for, but in some ways it's also just sort of reinforcing the identity. So we're a church that has strong teaching and look, he did strong teaching again. Like how much do you think that that plays into it? You know, Mm. that it more becomes like a shibboleth, like a cultural enforcer. Like, do you understand this is who we are? We're the convicting church or we're the teaching church or we're the, we all cried today church, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Yeah, or we're the poli- or we're the political church, right? Yeah. Like that's the po- that's a big popular that's one right. now. And they're like, I'm going to go somewhere where someone will speak up against that, and that yep. becomes identity, right? Uh, you know, I think that's why a guy like Francis Chan left his church in Simi Valley years ago because right. he went up in the lobby and asked people, "What do you love about our church?" And they were like, "You're preaching, you're preaching. You're amazing. You're yeah. ama- you're incredible." And I think when you when you know what the addiction is and you feed it to the people. Mm. And you don't take responsibility for measuring if it's actually producing life change and discipleship and it's seeing people come to Christ and that kind of thing, you're in real trouble. Oh, that's so good. So I'm going to, I want to clean this up for the people that are listening. I I think a good question for us to ponder as preachers is what is the thing that people are coming to hear from us Mm -hmm. and are we just feeding it with no follow through on the back of it? So are we just giving them the hit? Um, which I, I love what you're saying because it isn't style. What you're, what we're asking is like, is the way that we approach are mm-hmm. approaching preaching actually becoming so? It's becoming so typical, so mundane. It's locked in. We just do this one thing and hit it over and over again. That people are actually not being catalyzed right. towards anything, right? Yeah. I think that's what we're saying. Yeah, that's so good. Absolutely. That's so good. Yeah. People so, don't. People don't want change. They. We always say like, if you're in a Christian church, Protestant Christian church. Sometimes they'll be critical of a Catholic church and say, I left the Catholic church because it was too routine. It was too ritualistic. Right. And I'm like, we sing three songs. We do the <laughs> yeah, same. We're doing we it take all. communion. We do two announcements. We have a message. And then we do a closing. Like, right. we're, we're, as, we're as structured, you know, whatever you want to call it. That it's, we're as liturgical as another denomination that's super liturgical or, or another, you know. So, yeah, it just becomes routine. And, and when you break out of that, and I don't mean to get crazy because it's, and again, this is sad that I have to say, I don't mean to get crazy, but what happens if you're like, hey, church, we're going to pray today. Like, we're just going to, we're not going to have worship. We're not going to, we're just going to pray. We're just going to pray. And people would just lose their minds. What are you guys doing? Are we turning into a charismatic church? If you're a more traditional, or if it was charismatic church, or if it was more informational church, hey, if we don't preach the word, it doesn't count, you know? And I'm not suggesting we should just change the the program every week just to be creative mm-hmm. and, and all no. that. But it's just a, it's a good sign to go, Oh, but, you know what? Maybe I won't preach for 50 minutes. Maybe I'll preach for 20 this week and have 20 minutes of prayer in the service. Mm. And if the people react negatively to that, then I know that they're here for my preaching. Mm, they're here right. to get that hit. They're not actually here for transformation. How much not Brandon, responding to it. How much Brandon do you think this also has to do? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, as I'm just getting to know you in this conversation, I'm wondering if what I'm hearing behind what you're saying is a sort of advocacy for a balanced approach to our preaching. So Mm. all of us as preachers are wired up in a certain way. Some of us are more didactic. Some of us are more, we move more in the direction of the convictional. Some of us are more storytellers. Some of us are more like we can elicit the cry response or whatever. But if our congregations are going to be healthy, there's like a need for a balanced diet of what happens in the pulpit. So, you know, when Paul says, like, preach the word, he's like, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and care. So it's like different kinds of things. Is that part of what you're saying here? 
Yeah. As yeah, well, just, like, hey, preacher, like maybe grow in the modes that you're capable of. It's good to be yes. a good teacher, but also you need to be able to be the kind of preacher that can invite people into an emotional response to the Spirit. You know what I mean? It, it, talk to yeah. us about that. Is that kind of part of what you're saying? Yeah, it's just don't abandon who you are. I think it's really important. Yeah. Like, I think I think that, like, Tim Keller is Tim Keller, right? Yeah. Like, he was amazing. He was just incredible. He, he was—Tim Keller was— so amazing. He's not going to go in there and be like, Hey guys, I'm going to you know, tell you seven stories today. And you yep. know, Bob his head around like he's Southern preacher guy that tells a bunch of stories. Sure. But, but if you have a style about you, I think there's a recognition of, I've got to recognize, I think in your heart, you know, this is what I'm trying to get to. You know what people like Yeah. Mm. and you have to decide, am I preaching to get likes from people, like sure. to get that affirmation, mm. or am I preaching for transformation? And people mask yeah. that so yeah. much. Hmm. Oh, and they go, hey, I'm going to preach about politics this week and tell the truth. But yeah. really what they're saying is, I'm going to get everyone to pat me on the I back. know my right. church will like this. Yeah, I'm going to throw some red yeah, meat to I the know. dogs here, and this yeah. will actually kind of mobilize the base. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. So, so I think that there's some of that. I think that they're, you know, like what you're saying to the to the effect of, yeah, you got to be willing to, and this is, I would say, the other thing. You got to be willing to have other people on your stage. Well, that gotta, really like, helps some, the diversity you know, that, of that's a, a diversity of approaches. Have some diversity on your stage. Yeah, men, women, young, old, whatever, different styles. It's really helpful, and it also acknowledges, like, hey, in order to be at this church, you don't have to be a college professor. Right. Or in order to be at this church, you don't have to be able to, like, el- you know, lift people off the ground with the Holy Spirit. Like, you mm. don't have to be that person that the, yep. that the lead person maybe is. Yeah. So this is, this is a really great segue in, in this next little bit. So as you start to experience preachers, you start to watch them, you sit in a room, you're paying attention to them, whether it's at Compass or it's, it's out in the world, what are some ways that you start to think about giving feedback? Because giving good feedback is like an art form in and of itself, right? It's like, how do I, how do I tell you the truth without cutting you too hard and still incur? How are you thinking about how to actually give someone feedback? Who's a preacher? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's relationship. Yep. Mm. Uh, it the, the re- starts with relationship, just like anything else. If you don't have a relationship with somebody, uh, it, it's going to be really difficult to to truly like, you know, give them that kind of feedback. So I think relationship is how I think about that. But I also I have to think about, and, and you know, I'll talk about this a lot. You know, I've also got to try and figure out like what is their target audience? Like what are they going after? Mm-hmm. You know, cuz I may be more like evangelistic and be like, "Hey, I didn't feel like the message was evangelistic enough." And they're like, "That's not what I was going for." Mm-hmm. You know, I was <laughs> that, that, that was not the point. So it's easy to be critical sometimes. Like, you know, I was just at a conference this past week and I and there was a few messages I really liked and some I was like not so much, but I know that my own glasses were on of like mm-hmm. what I think they should be talking about or what for I think sure. they should be addressing. So I think that's I think there's a lot of that. Um, I also think that there's not enough affirmation. So I have to go into it just like any conversation. Not this is the, what I would say. You can't just go okay, pick two things that were good and then get to the bad stuff. Let's get mm, to right. the real stuff. You truly have to affirm people's calling. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. It's scary as crap to get up on stage and preach. And if yeah. you and if you're at a point in your life where you're like. I'm not scared anymore. I'm comfortable. Like I, don't, I, I, you know, I, then your your humility meter has gone way too low. Mm. Like or, you know, you know, way too low. You need to rise that up and be like, this is an honor. It's a heavy weight mm. that I carried it to preach the gospel to tell others about Jesus, and it's hard. 
And they need people who do that. They need affirmation. They mm-hmm. need to know like, Hey, when you did that, the, the way you did that, that was awesome. That really connected. God was using you in a great way or, Hey, that was just a, a great timing yeah. or whatever it was, just affirming their gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People need that just as much as they need yeah, correction. Constructive because criticism. Because so often they sit in their office and go, no one likes me. I, I'm right. the worst. Right. If you talk to lead pastors, they're like, I just don't think that I have it. Uh, they watch other people speak and go, man, I'm not, I'm not good. Yeah. So the affirmation is a huge part of that. So talk just to us, Brandon. The positive. Yeah. Talk to us, Brandon, about how the affirmation actually helps as a teaching device for especially the young preachers. Because mm. I think about my early years preaching when I was preaching in my 20s. Sometimes things went right, but I didn't know why they went right. And if I'd gotten good positive feedback, it might have actually helped me see specifically what was going on in the message that made it work. So talk to us about that for a second, how affirmation can be one of the means of our pointing out Mm. to people what's going right in a message. Yeah, I think there's a spiritual side to this. Like you talked about being in your 20s, and sometimes we look at it from a practical standpoint and go, I need to get some coaching for my speaking so I can be a better speaker. And it's like, no, we want to affirm the supernatural power of God and, and the giftedness that he's given you yeah. and affirming that as a spiritual thing, not just a practical, yeah. Oh, you're good. good at this. Yes. You, know? Uh, you know, like when Rory and I worked together, I was always like, Rory's a great preacher. Sure. He's good. But I knew giving him feedback, that's not helpful. Like, Hey mm. man, you did great. You're mm. good. You're really good. You're right. a great storyteller. It's gotta be like, man, what is your jam and what's God gifted you to do that you need that affirmation. So in your heart, it literally solidifies in your heart is like, I'm gifted. Yeah. I'm called. Yeah. And and that's okay. And it's okay. Like for me as a storyteller, I'm not trying to like toot my own heart or whatever, but I've been affirmed in that. Like I'm a good storyteller. I know that. And so I can mm-hmm. rise in confidence that God's given me that gift. I don't yeah. pound my chest and be like, I'm a great storyteller. Have a look at me. But it is like, I know when I go into a sermon, I've got to use my best gifts to preach and, and, and those play to tools your that God's given me. Right. Yeah. And when I use that, I don't feel like I'm selling out. I, you know, I look at other people speaking and I kind of go, gosh, they'd probably do something different here. And it's like, well, they're not you. You're you. You're that's, God's gifted you to preach. That's in right. This God way. already made a Tim Keller. You need to be Brandon yeah. Beard. Exactly. Yeah. I th- and I, exactly. I think what you're saying, Brandon, is it is so helpful. The right kind of affirmation helps a communicator yep. figure out what their strength is. Yep. Because um, I, 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 this is true of me when I was in my early 20s. I say that like I'm super old now. But um, I didn't know what was going right. I just knew something was going yep. right. No one was – I joke all the time. No one died. Like I got on stage. Yeah. I talked. <laughs> yeah. And no one died. Yeah. So yeah. it must be good. Um, but the right kind of affirmation, I think, is what helps preachers go, oh, Oh, I'm a good storyteller. Right. What that's what you're telling me is yes. I'm good at yeah. telling a story. And I'm somebody else who has better eyes who can say, Do you actually know why that worked? Yeah. Let yeah, me yeah. tell you what I'm seeing in there. Right. So, Brandon, one of the things that that you do at Compass, and I'm curious if you suggest this to churches as a general rule of thumb, but you guys actually, whoever is preaching on a Sunday is running through their entire message in front of a small group of people long before the weekend comes. Can you talk a little bit about the philosophy of why you guys do that? Yeah, there's a couple of reasons. Number one is, uh, and one of them is just super practical. It's not just for the church I work at now, but I I recommend it for other churches. Some places there's no way they're going to do it because the person, they write their message and they change it on Saturday night and it is what it is. But So I want to honor people's style. I get that. However, 
Um, there, is, there is a real wisdom into saying, hey, let's think about what we're doing. Like, let's mm. think about what we say. There has been times, think about, I just, this is the practical reason. Think about the first service that any church does. Usually the message is like, right. not the mm. best one. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Mm-hmm. Right. First time in front of a like, live hey, audience. Don't yeah. Say, yeah. Hey, don't yeah. say that. Yeah. <laughs> don't say that. That came across this way. Hey, yeah. don't say that. Or like, hey, that slide, um, it said compass, but we cut the screen off and said ass. It said, you know, like that's all we saw next to your head. Like this. So, yeah. so it's true story. So we gotta, yeah. we gotta, we gotta fix that. You know, we gotta make sure that this, that when you were up there speaking, it looked really bad. So it's really simple, practical, like, yeah, the first time you do something, it's just, it's not perfect. Um, so no, I think running through is good. I also think that it helps develop a culture of feedback Sure. that someone who's it, like our lead pastor, I'll brag on him on Drew Sherman. Drew does not need to do a run through every mm-hmm. week. He's been doing this for 25 years, but Drew is humble. I mean, which is just, and I know that sounds like an anomaly. He is, it's rare to find a humble lead pastor. Mm. He's humble enough to say, Hey, I'll do the run through, get some feedback from you and hear it. So it'll just help me be better. It's not a lot of guys that have been preaching at a church for 25 years. Sure. What a tone that setter. That. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. That just says, and then the, when you're up to bat, you know, like, hey, our lead guy has been there for 25 years. He gets feedback from everyone. You're he saying standard. There's no double standard. He gets that. So you're going to get yep. it too. You're going to yep. get up there and you're going to do the run through. So I think there's a level of humility. So I think they're on the practical side, it makes sense to go, yeah, we should probably practice that because yeah. the especially in the last few years, you know, you think about someone says a political statement or says something, it's like, what were you doing? Yeah. Mm. Like, why did you say that? And that little soundbite gets you canceled or fired. It's really wise. Unintentionally, you were like, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. It's like, yeah, well, right. it doesn't matter what you It doesn't you matter meant. what you meant. It's you what you said. said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we catch a lot of that in our messages. Uh, I did a message on racism this past summer, and I did the whole thing. I felt good about it. But in the run-through, they were like, hey, when you said this, it sounded like this. And I was like, Oh my goodness. I right. would never want to come across that way. Right. And it was so helpful. So I think there's benefit in correcting on a yeah. practical level. I think there's benefit in a feedback culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just having a culture of feedback. Uh, I think it's beneficial for the speaker to be ready. And I know, I know that sounds silly to say, have the speaker be ready, but a lot of people, you know, pastors are always famous for going, this is the hardest job in the world. And it's like, yeah, but you're never ready. So, uh, Brandon, help me understand this. Um, so, worst message, one of the worst messages I've ever preached in my life was in seminary in a preaching class in like a lab environment like that, where it's like yeah. it's not exactly Sunday morning, but we're going to try to simulate it and then we're going to give you feedback. And I just yeah. had such a difficult time making the mental turn that I yeah. needed to make to mm. have that sermon come out the way that actually felt like a sermon. And not like yeah. a thing that was under a microscope. So then the second time around in that class, I was like, I'm not going to preach this for a grade. I have to yeah. preach this as though these 12 people here really need to hear a word from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that like helped me. And the sermon, I actually, what's funny is I got a worse grade on the second sermon, <laughs> but I felt way better about it because it felt like that was preaching. That's what that yeah. is. How, yeah. Do you guys, how, how do you guys handle that at, over at Compass? How mm-hmm. do you, how do you help well, your preachers like settle in? And turn yeah. it not just into like you're going to get scrutiny on this thing. But sometimes you can't. Yeah, sometimes man, you can't. I'm just, you just, I'm just I, curious I about actually, that because I know that I'm very different. Like I would be so very different in that yeah. kind of environment versus a Sunday morning. Sure. 
I, we own it. We, I would say you own the awkwardness. You just yeah. own it. And so not only do you own it and just say, yeah, run through is different. Like you tell a joke and run yeah. through and we all try and like laugh. And sometimes we really laugh, but sometimes we just try and bring some energy. <laughs> you know, we're like, hey, you know, hey, we try and bring a little energy to simulate that. It's like you audience can't a room of, <laughs> Yeah, you can't simulate a room of 800 right. people. You can't do it. Yeah. You know, you can't simulate the energy in the room. That's not what the purpose of it is. The purpose is just to give you a run through, to give us our best. And everyone yeah. understands this is not how it's going to come across sure. mm. in the room. It's not going to come perfectly come across. So I think on that level, but I would also say there's a relationship. Like I did the preaching class thing too. I didn't have a relationship right. or a mission that I was trying to accomplish with those people. And I think right. when your church has a, a direction and a mission and, and something you're trying to accomplish, the people in the room are not just looking at you like a preaching class. They're looking at you and going, hey, like, uh, what's the name of your church, guys? I'm, I'm forgetting. New, New Life. New Life. So I didn't want to get that wrong. So, hey, this is not, that didn't sound like new life. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that. And so everyone in the room is for new life and they, they believe in what new life's about. Sure. That's such a difference than like Joey, who's over there, like, you know, he's thinking about who he's, you know, going to hook up with later tonight. And, you know, this person's, yeah. you know, thinking sure. about the party they're going to go to. They're not actually locked into like, yeah. And you know, we're on mission together to accomplish this thing. Let's think about how this ties sure. in and communicates. Yeah, that's so cool. I'm not against preaching classes. I think they're great. Yeah. They're awkward. But that awkwardness does not go away in a run through. You yeah, have to own it. it yeah. And just go, this is run through. This is not, it's not going to perfectly look the same. It's, it's just about catching some mistakes, catching some things. Getting some feedback. Yeah, and trying and to hold even, that, and trying to hold the plumb line of like what our voice is as a community. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say the last thing is this is time. Hmm. I, I just think time uh, wise. Sure. You know, sometimes you do a run through and it's like, man, that was forty minutes. Hmm. And and uh, you know, I, I just I'll give you a practical example is a few weeks ago, the content was great. Everyone said, Don't change a thing, don't change a thing. It got to me <laughs> and I said, Drew cut five to 10 minutes of that. So you can just enjoy yourself and really preach and yeah. not be so Foot stuck on the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and it was so helpful. That's why you do run throughs. Cause you're yeah. like, we're not, we're cutting some really good stuff mm. for the benefit of actually the speaker. So he can relax and really, mm -hmm. and, and I'm telling you, he killed it. He mm -hmm. gave himself a little more time and had some extemporaneous moments in the message and people responded. And it was like, Oh, I'm so glad we ran that through. Cause if yeah. it would have been, 40 minutes and we're running out of time. We wouldn't have had time for that prayer that he did at the end in the response. Sure. So Brandon, I would imagine there are people listening to this who are going, oh man, a sermon run through. I've never thought about doing that. I should do that. What, um, what, like, what kind of feedback are you trying to avoid in a sermon run through? Because mm -hmm. you're doing it, if, I, if it's still the same as when I was there, you're doing it three hours before the first service, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's there's about only five. so yeah, there's like only yeah, so many things you can do yeah. three hours before no, no. a service. So what are the things yeah. that you're like, man? Do a sermon run through, build that into your culture, feedback, all that stuff. Yep. But you got to be here's our, some landmines on this. Yeah, our unspoken, our un, like unwritten rules on this are this: we're not changing the whole structure of the message. <laughs> we're not going like, hey, switch this and this. That's just an, like really, man. That's not helpful. Right. Uh, we're not changing the whole structure of the message. And if someone and people do suggest that in the run through, uh, and it's this, you know, it's kind of like shrug your shoulders, like, sure, you want to preach tonight? Because <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I don't have that time, you know. <laughs> but I would also say that uh, another like unwritten rule when it comes to the sermon run through is you're you don't have to do anything that anyone says. Mm. I mean, not one thing. Right. 
Right. You, you don't. That's the culture I really strive for. Like, get feedback, but ultimately, you got to look yourself in the mirror and go, nope, mm-hmm. I'm doing that. That's cool. It's, like I, you, it's not like you have to pass this test. It's more no. like this is oh, yeah. for your benefit to yep. help yes. you get clearer on what you're trying to say. We're here to help you. Yeah. And so to get what Rory, what you're saying, I think ultimately the word that comes to mind for me is honor. You mm. want people in that room who honor you, not that, you know, kiss your butt and treat you like you do nothing wrong, but they honor you to the point of like, man, you're speaking today and we're here to, we want to help feedback. you. Succeed. Here's some things to think about. We want to help. But at the end of the day, you get to decide what to do with this feedback. And no one's going snarkily like, gosh, why didn't they change that? Why didn't that? Mm-hmm. That's not the purpose. The purpose is not to get your feedback on the screen somehow or have your stamp of approval on the message. It's more just to say, we're in this thing together. We're all trying to accomplish the same thing. You know, our church is pretty outreach-oriented. And so when things come up, for example, in the message that we're like, I don't know if someone who's not a follower of Jesus is going to understand that. And it's like, oh, it's a good reminder. And that's in line with who we are. Sure. And so it's like, yeah, let's change it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, there's so many opinions. You know, people are like, hey, when you tell that story, what if you took a paper and you, you know, and they go into this whole thing and, and it's just kind of like, yeah, sure. Uh, great feedback. Thank you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, You're up to bat next week. Have fun with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have fun with that. I'm not going to make a duck out of paper on stage, but it's cool. I'm glad that you want me to do that. But if you and ask me to do macaroni and cheese on the stage, I am all in. <laughs> No one, no one ever did it no, better. No one ever it. did it better than Brandon Beard. I let me just say what I did not do many sermon run-throughs when I preached on <laughs> cheese sauce. Do you think someone would have caught it, or would they have been like, "That's the greatest thing I've ever heard"? Uh boy. <laughs> I mean, I just me in student ministry is just proof that God is sovereign because He just worked through it. Like it's just proof. Like That's the fact that the fact that God used me in student ministry and I was up there making mac and cheese is just should comfort every person who ever speaks to go, oh, this actually isn't on your shoulders. Like God's actually going to work Amazing. through you. I'm go- it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's so going to be I'm, okay. I'm curious to hear from both of you on this, actually, because it's, it's not just an art to give great feedback. I think most of us as preachers, like... I think we also struggle to receive it because we also don't know what... I think we don't know how to read it often. I'm just curious to hear from both of you. Why do you think we struggle so bad to take the like... I'm not talking about the grouchy congregation member who's like, I didn't like your sermon. I'm talking about genuine like, hey, here's some thoughts. Why, Why is that so challenging? Well, I'll give you two quick reasons. I'm curious what Brandon thinks. But first reason is just ego. Mm. We're bringing a lot of ego into the room and we don't want anybody to pop that bubble, and so it's really painful when they say anything that might do that. I think the second reason, though, is that, and maybe it's actually connected to ego, is that a lot of preachers carry more um, insecurity than most people would Mm. realize Mm. into the pulpit, and so it's a hard enough task to do, and you're fighting a lot of fears and insecurities, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden somebody, an oversight maybe, who gives you some feedback that's negative feedback, I mean, that could almost destroy your confidence, sure. you know, if you're not in a good headspace. Mm-hmm. Or, God forbid, they criticize you on the one or two things in the message that you actually you felt you got good right. about. Sure. Now it's like you've taken my weapons out of my hand. I don't even know what to do anymore. Yeah. So I think uh, I think feedback is like inherently scary, both for reasons of the flesh and just because of the nature of the beast. Yeah, what, Brandon, what do you, what do think, you think, Brandon? Yeah, I... All three of those, I would actually, I had, I was going to list multiple things in that, what you're talking about. 
Yeah, I think you have to recognize, just saying the same thing, maybe in a little different way, recognize the lenses that you're wearing when you receive feedback. Mm-hmm. Like, recognize the way you're seeing it. Like, you're going to see it as an attack on you personally, and it's not. Right. But you're going to see it that way. You're yeah. going to go like, these people hate me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, they're, they're not. And, and also, don't over-spiritualize when you get feedback. Don't be like, well, God told me to say this. Like, it's just feedback. It's not like you have to change it. It's just yeah. don't be like, well, I, I, and then you're wrestling. I don't know. I really prayed through that. I feel like God wanted me to do that. I felt like the scriptures were making that clear to say that, but no one liked that in the run through. <laughs> and you've got to trust God and go, I just believe that's what God wants me to do. Yeah. But don't over spiritualize it either and go like, hey, thanks for the feedback. God, I have a little line to God, and he told me that you can just put your hand down. You know, God you told me to say this, <laughs> and your commentary is a spiritual attack on me. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Don't over-spiritualize it. Just be like, oh, people have different opinions. They yes. hear it differently, all that. Some of the stuff is troubling. You talk about giving. The feedback is going to come through the le- your lens and their lens of like totally. they have had a bad experience with giving. And so they're like, felt like you were a little too harsh, you know? Yeah. And you're like hey, have you seen our giving numbers? I'm going to be harsh. You know what mm, I mean? Like, sure. hey, you don't know. You have no idea right. how many people are giving or not giving. Like, So if you recognize the lens and then you fight that insecurity and just go, this is not about me. Mm. This is just... That's right. I also think that the whole idea of a run-through and getting feedback and just feedback in general, it's not just about before the message. I think some places need to... Maybe you're not going to do a run-through. You need to do after the fact. And I know a yeah, lot of churches yes. I work with, that's what they do. They do after the fact. Yep. But it's, I always challenge teams to go, when's the last time you watched a whole series of messages together and you just spent a day talking about, hey, how did we do? How, what, did mm. we, you know, what could we have done differently? And there's wow. a lot of learning that can be done after the fact. And, and that's, a, that's a different style of feedback, but it is a real important one as well. Wow. Mm. I'm, Brandon, I'm thinking about the like the younger preacher that's listening to this, that maybe they've preached a handful of times or a dozen times, and they're going, man, I have nobody is really giving me any feedback. It's just like yes. whatever. What are some ways, a sermon run through is obviously like a big one, right? That's a culture shifting yeah. one. But what are some yeah. ways that someone could go, man, I need to start getting feedback, but I don't even know, I don't know where to start. What would you suggest? Yeah. Them? Well, I think outside eyes are great. I think mm. out, you know if you have a if you have a trusted friend like your a, a, a near a near friend, the thing I would say is this: don't ask people that are preaching experts. Ask people who are just maybe it's someone who's a friend that is so good, church, man. And you go, yeah. you know, I know this is crazy, but could I send you a link to this message and you could just kind of give me your thoughts, like what was good, what was bad? You know, would you mind doing that? And if you have that relationship with them, they're gonna say, "Dude, I'm not a preacher. I, like, what do you mean? Like, I don't yeah. even know." You know, and you're like, no, I just genuinely want your feedback. I want you Isn't to that, that funny? It's like other lunch. preachers are going to have the same blind spots that we do because they're preachers. So you're yes. saying like, try to create a situation where you can hear it through the ears of somebody that's sitting in the congregation. They're not going to have the same kinds of blind spots. They're not going to have the same yeah. deafness I also, that we yeah, have but, as preachers. I also yeah, think sec- yeah, go that's ahead. fascinating. Well, I was just going to say, Brandon, I also think that a lot of preachers aren't great at giving feedback because they have such an insecurity about receiving it for themselves <laughs> that they kind of do this like, well, I don't want any, I don't want anyone to tell me how to do this, so I don't really I don't really yeah. want to tell you how to do this. This would so, be wounding to me, so I'm not going to wound <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, so in I'm that not going to wound yeah. you exactly. Go ahead, Brandon. You were yeah. going to give us another I, one. No, I would just. I, so the second group I would go to would be outside your church, like right. someone outside your church, you, someone you knew from the past, or someone who's a, maybe they're a pastor, maybe they're not. 
but they just are from the, and you're like, I know this is crazy. Could I send you a gift card or do that? Um, mm. The third thing I would suggest, and don't hear this as a sales thing. This is not why I'm doing this, but there is some real benefit. Like I do this with people all the time. They, I just sure. did this with a pastor recently and he was like, Hey, can I hire you to consult and work on my speaking for a few months? I said, yeah. And he, he sent me his stuff. We went over it. And it was great. Our first meeting, he was like, okay, what did you think? And I said, he's hired me, right? So it's a different <laughs> steal. If you've hired somebody, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to hear it, right? I'm little, I'm going to, I'm going to listen. Mm. And the feedback thing, you're like, I don't care what this guy says at all. Right. It's not going to hurt my feelings because I'm asking him and he hired me to do it. So I felt really free to throw down, you know, and just be really honest. And I told him, I said, this was hilarious. I go, Hey, it's all good. You just, the problem, there was something's good, but you preach like you don't believe in God. Mm. Like you, you preach. I said, when I listen to you preach, it's, <laughs> it's like, you're, you're having to like complete and, and, and do all the next steps for every person. It's like 15 minutes of like, if you're this, then this, and if you're this and you're this, and I'm like, you just need to preach sometimes and let the Holy spirit mm. work in the hearts of people and trust that he's got it. Mm. And I'm all about being practical and about having next steps. Sure. But he was trying to control the message yeah. so much. And I could see it with mm. my outside eyes that mm. no one else could see. And he was like, man, that was so freeing. That was so helpful. Like, Because he's like, that's exactly what I was doing. I didn't really recognize it, but I was, I was not believing that God was going to take this and do something with it. I thought wow. I had to put all the dots together for everyone. There'd be no mm. nuance at all. And I would just make sure it was clean. But again, that's outside eyes. Yeah. Everyone else is like, we love you. You're the best. You're great. It goes back to that addiction. Man, we yeah, love, sure, you're right. funny. You make us laugh every week. He's so funny, you know, sure. and, and they get that. So I think outside is helpful. I will all say this. I think if you're a male preacher, I think female feedback is really important. So good. And I think that, I think we're really missing that. My favorite parts of our message run-throughs at Compass Church where I'm at is the, the females that we have on staff, the female pastors we have on staff. Their feedback is so good. It's hmm. so it just comes from a different place. It comes from a different perspective, and it's so missed. Like if you if you're gonna do a sermon run through and have four dudes in there who are all your <laughs> right. age, like that's not going to be helpful. They're right. just gonna go like, "It's good. It's good. I liked it. <laughs> great good. story, bro. It's great, great stuff. Story. You know, where <laughs> someone someone who's a little older, someone who's a little younger, hmm. someone who's a little wiser, someone who's got a new perspective, so a female. Uh, someone that maybe is, comes from a different diverse background, they're going to mm-hmm. hear what you say through different oh, lens. And it's super positive to hear that. I mean, I, I, t- I ask people all the time, like, hey, when's the last time you had a female give you feedback on your sermons? That you're going to get like zero. Most people are like, never. Mm. I've never asked them if you're a male preacher. And I think that's really sad. Super and if you're advice. missing a part of, our, of the kingdom of God that is a lot smarter than you and has a lot better yeah. perspective mm. than you in so many ways. Brandon, uh, I, I what I hear you subtly talking about is really like how your audiences they differ and how people are hearing your messages differently. Uh, one of the well-known things about you is that you have done a lot of work in Uganda, and you are somewhat, from what I've been told, a preaching rock star in Uganda. Um, I'm curious because that is actual like that is crossing cultural boundaries. That is like legitimately a different audience. How yeah. is Brandon? a different preacher in America than he is when he is in Uganda at a tent yeah. revival. Well, so I figured out in Uganda, it's, it's all about audience analysis. It's all, it's all about knowing who you're speaking to. Sure. Uh, you know, so we grew up going uh, to University of Presbyterian Church, and I'll get to Uganda in a minute, but 
by the University of Washington up in Seattle. And mm-hmm. Earl Palmer was the pastor. Very high-level teacher, like super cerebral. Mm. Because the U, the UW, right, the University of Washington, I mean, number one, most people don't believe in God. And then if they do, they're like, you better have some good stuff. Like, right, you better know your you stuff. You better talk it to so me. So Earl yeah. knew that audience and connected with the audience in an incredible way. And he was just incredible. He knew how to connect with those university students and also just the people in that community who were very skeptical because he was so smart, so cerebral. Um, in Uganda, I figured out, like, I can't just go up there and be like you literally if you if you start a sermon in Uganda and I learned this the hard way. And you're like, like we do. We're like we're like people are like in America. They're like, I love it. It feels like I'm having a conversation with you. I don't feel like you're yelling at me. I, I don't mm. feel like you're like mad at me. You know, I just feel like we're having, and I love that. I love that about our pastor. If you pull that in Uganda and you get up there and you're like, Hey, welcome. Uh, My name is Brandon and I'm just excited to be here. You know, I'm from Dallas. It's great to be here in Uganda with you guys. The whole audience is thinking, what is wrong with this guy? (laughs) Does, does he not love Jesus? Right? Like they, they're, they're thinking that. And I've learned that they're literally watching you and going, the energy you've brought to the stage communicates to us yes. that you pretty much worship Satan. And like, and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> you're like a, you're probably the most nominal Christian ever. But they don't expect a preacher who, you know. So now that I've kind of learned that, man, I get up on stage in Uganda, knowing that energy equates and excitement That's equates right. like the love of God and the passion of God. Spiritual you get up there on sure. stage unequivocally, and you this is the first word that comes out of your mouth. You say. Hallelujah! That's right. Screaming, screaming, and the whole crowd or the whole stadium says, "Amen." Amen. Hallelujah. That's right. They say, "Amen." Amen. You do it ten times. Yeah. Okay, and then you say something in their language, you know, and and you say something in their language, and you and you do that, and you're like, you know, Shaitan Yenagoba, Satan is a liar, you know, and they're like, yeah. And now, what's crazy is. You say that if you did that at home in the U.S., if you were like Hallelujah, people would never buy weekend, it. Yeah, people would be like, um, "Call an elders meeting, yeah, because he's lost his mind." <laughs> and then if you elders. went up there and you were like Shaitan Yenagoba, you know, they'd be like, "Shit about a Honda, you're trying to speak in tongues. What's going yeah. on?" You know, they'd freak out. But at the end of the day, the fact that I said Satan's a liar, the crowd, like the crowd, the church. They start dancing. They start celebrating. Mm. And they do this thing where they smash their feet in the ground and they're, they're smashing the head. I was like, what are they doing? Like, are they, oh, you know, like a dance? Uh-huh. No, they're crushing the head of the devil. Like when you wow. say Satan's a liar, they start smashing their feet down like this and smashing, you know, pushing it down the ground. And they're crushing the head. And you're like, they're going crazy. Not for you. They're just celebrating like Satan's a liar. We're here to worship Jesus. Let's do this. Mm. So it's not about like, hey, I'm a rock star preacher in Uganda. I, not to be weird and cliche, I think you can be a rock star preacher, wherever you are, if you actually know your audience and you That's know how right. to connect with them. Know that you know, audience. And, and you're not stupid. Like, I, so many people I bring to Uganda, I'm like, when you say hello, don't say hi, I'm Brandon. Say, hallelujah. Yeah. They say amen. Go, praise the Lord. They go, amen. And then go, and you say with voices, my name is Brandon. I'm here. And, you, and then you just start going. And I'll preach for 90 minutes at like high, screaming, yes. yelling, running around the audience, being open to the Holy Spirit, like crazy stuff. You're like, I feel like, and you feel like you're on, you're like a TV preacher. You're like, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> you're like, what is happening? Yeah. Cause it's so, as an American preacher, you're like, oh, I, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. But you're like, no. And you stop and go. And I think it's the purest form of this. It's all stupid on TV and gets all wrong. But 
it's like, man, there's someone here today that needs prayer. There's someone here today who's sure, going through sure, something, sure, sure. and I know it, and God puts it on your heart, and you actually say it there. So great. And that person actually stands up and walks up front and goes, that's me, and you pray mm. for them. And you're just like, please don't tell anyone at home I preach like this because they would freak out. You know, they're just like, what's happening? Mm. The um, the high school preacher Brandon comes full circle yeah, in Uganda is what oh, it sounds no, like. It's, okay, so that's really the joke to me. It's so funny. Like I'm like, oh, that was that was that. And you're not, you know, what I'm not threatening people, but the energy level of that was actually the, the wrong audience in high school. Right one in Uganda. Right, yeah, audience that's right. in Uganda. Man, that's so this is so great, Brandon. This has been a great conversation. Uh, what we love to do with our guests who come on is um, there are people who are listening to this who are they're writing their sermon for Sunday right now. They're going to be listening to this as they get in their car or whatever and get ready to go back to do the same thing that they just did the Sunday before. What's one word of encouragement or challenge that you could give to the preachers who are listening to this? Uh, I, th- I think it's this. I, th- I think that I think we all deeply know this in our head but we really suck at practicing it. Mm. And it's this, and myself included, I've really been on a journey for this. Your identity is not in what you do on that stage. That's Mm. not your identity Mm. like that. Don't put your identity in that. Put your identity in Jesus Christ, your relationship with him. Put your identity as as a father or husband, whatever, if you're married or with your, you know, as a, as a father, as a husband, because I, I, you know, I've been in ministry for 34, 35 years, something like that. And I'll admit, I mean, I'll just, say it. My identity for so long was like, yeah, I've, I've worked at a mega church, man. I've grown some churches and I, you know, like mm. kind of a big deal, man. I know, I, you know, I know how to grow things. I know how to do this. And you wouldn't say that, but you would, mm. you know, you just say it in a different way in a conversation. How's it going? You're like, oh, we're good. You know, we're up, we're up 40%. You know, we're good. Giving's up, you know, but you're just pounding your chest and basically you're going identity, identity. This yeah. is where I'm gathering my identity from. Mm. And, and I don't say that to like make someone feel bad. I just want to say if someone's listening to this and you know, man, mm. your identity is not in Jesus. It's in what you like do on the stage or when people laugh, it just gives you this high and you just mm. can't live without it. Like if COVID killed you because you didn't have that ability to get that mm. shot for yourself, that own mm. addiction of, of identi- identity filling uh, emotions that you got to you got to set you got to take a break and you got to go, Lord, this is not about me. Mm. You know, and I, it's just, it's so hard to say that too, because everyone says that, right? I mean, that's just the thing to say, don't put your identity in ministry. You know, you'll never be defined by what you do in the church. You know, it's in your relationship with Jesus. Because I just have to remember, like, I'm not, I'm not that big a deal. Mm. I'm not a big deal. Mm. God's the big deal. Jesus is the big deal. His Holy Spirit's the big deal. His power is the big deal. Mm. And there's, man, I think about, there's so many, I'll go back to Uganda. There's so many faithful preachers in Uganda. I go to like a village and they're preaching to like two, 300 people in a Ugandan village with dirt floors and there's no building and they're just outside and they're preaching. And I know that there's someone like in my community where I'm at and they're at a, the the building they're in is not very nice. And the congregation isn't as big as they wanted, but I'm like, their their identity can't be in that. They've just got to be faithful to Jesus and preach and and yeah. believe that God's going to use them where they're at and not go home every day and go, I'm just a failure. Because I'm just telling you that that guy in Uganda that's your counterpart that has a church of 300 with no building and no LED screens hmm. and no social media followers and all that hmm. stuff, God is so pleased with you and your faithfulness, hmm. even if it's not working. Like Even if it's like, man, we had to close the church plant. It's not working. Hmm. God is still like, 
cheering for you. He, he's like so for you. And you think that you somehow let him down and your identity is all wrapped up in that. And it's like, Good. no, that's not the case, man. That's mm-hmm. not it at all. Mm-hmm. Brandon, what a word. What a word. Man, thank you for joining us on this episode. Yeah, this has been Brandon. another episode of Preaching Lab. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>